Merciful God, as we come to this time in our service where your word is about to be read, we ask that you prepare our hearts for it. That you prepare us for whatever truth it is you have to speak into us today, whatever uh, life it is that you long to breathe in us today. Make us ready, make us alert, and make us aware of the presence and the power of your Spirit which is here upon us during this time. And as these words are read, Lord, I pray that you bless the proclamation of it, you you bless the hearing of it, and that you bless the application of it, that we will take this word and hide it into our hearts so that from within it can transform us and it can shape us into a more Christ-like people. We pray all these things in the holy name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand if you are able for the reading of the word. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, The doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. And said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Last week I used an analogy, and some of you told me that it was uh, it was helpful for you. Um, and I said that the uh, the schedules of our lives and the plans and all of that are kind of like the black and white parameters, but it's it's our experiences, it's what actually happens in our lives that that add color, that create this thing that we call life. Uh, many times I feel that uh, we are guilty of maybe being Christians who live in black and white, that we have things that we do, schedules that we keep, we come to church, we, we do these things because they are part of the plan, part of what we know that we should or shouldn't do. But maybe we are failing to experience the fullness of the Christian life, that is the fullness of life in Christ. The resurrected Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit, is able to appear to any of us and to shape our lives and transform us by his very presence. And because of that, we have experience, we have color, we have meaning. And so this study that we've been doing through John, which we are getting very close to wrapping up now, has shown us just how transformative these experiences with Jesus are. And as we come to the part now where it's after the resurrection, we see that not only does he continue to bring new experiences, but these experiences are even deeper. They're even more powerful and they're even more relevant for us because unlike many of the characters early in the Gospel of John, 
we know and we serve a risen Savior and we experience the resurrected Christ. And so today we look at this passage and we see that not only does Jesus continue to meet us, not only does Jesus continue to appear to us, but he does it in our deepest times of need. Last week we talked about Mary. Mary was in the garden crying and she was in deep sorrow. She was grieving. And in the midst of that grief, the resurrected Jesus Christ appeared to her. And her grief was turned to joy. This week we read about him appearing to the disciples. And just as he appeared to Mary in her grief and turned it to joy, he appeared to the disciples in their fear and turned it to peace. Why were the disciples afraid? Well, it's pretty obvious. The one that they followed, the one that they served, the one that they pledged their hearts and their lives to had been crucified, had been taken before their very eyes, arrested, beaten, flogged, ridiculed, mocked, and then crucified and hung on a cross for everyone to see. And so for the same reason that Peter denied knowing Jesus, the disciples were afraid because they thought this same thing could happen to us. If they were going to make an example of the one we follow, they could now turn their attention to us and make an example of us. And then furthermore, you had this whole thing about the resurrection going on. Jesus wasn't in the tomb. And we know that he was resurrected and that he appeared to them and he appeared to Mary. But you have to think from the disciples' point of view, they knew that they were probably going to be blamed for this missing body. The religious leaders who were so instrumental in putting Jesus to death feared that somebody might steal his body and claim that he had been uh, resurrected. And so the, the disciples had this fear. Okay, they're going to say that we stole his body. We didn't, but they're going to they're say that to try to stomp out any rumors of a resurrection. And so the disciples were afraid. They knew that they would be the target of persecution from the religious leaders. So what did they do? They hid in a room and locked the doors. Locking doors is something that we all do when we're afraid or when we're cautious. It's the first sign of being cautious. If you saw the paper just a few weeks ago, you saw where it was talking about a uh, crime that has, has been going on in Buena Vista recently, a, a, an uptick in, in burglary and, and, and things like that. And there was a little blurb by the, the police chief over on the side where he said, make sure you lock the doors to your cars. Because we live in a community where maybe we don't always feel like we have to do that. But that's that first line of defense, lock your doors. So we lock the doors to our cars. We lock the doors to our homes so nobody comes into them when we go away. And we live in a day and age where now we even lock the doors to our church. We live in a time of heightened security because of terrorism, because of hatred and tragedy. And so we live in this state of heightened security. And what that has done is it has conditioned us to be a people of fear. And we don't realize it, but it's just become this ingrained part of us that we are always being 
cautious. We are always on the lookout for something bad that could happen. 20, 30 years ago, people would not have lived in the state of, of precaution that we do right now. But we live in it because of things that have happened. And we lock the doors. And in that sense, we can completely relate to the disciples here. The disciples were fearful and they locked the doors. Fear is a natural reaction, but it's also poisonous. Studies show that whenever we are fearful, whenever we are afraid, our body releases a certain type of stress hormone. And those stress hormones can shut down portions of our immune system. Those stress hormones can cause gastrointestinal issues and IBS. Those stress hormones have been known to cause chronic fatigue, chronic depression, and even a decline in fertility. But it also damages the way we think. There's a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is the part of the brain we use to reason and think rationally. And when it becomes flooded with stress hormones, we can't put together thoughts in a logical way like we would normally. Because it's overcharged with all of these other hormones. And so we start thinking things that are irrational. And that's where paranoia is born. And we all know paranoia keeps us from thinking straight. You ask any psychologist in the world and they'll tell you that. that if, if you're a paranoid person, you can't really make fully rational decisions. When you go for a job interview, one of the things they want to do is make sure that you're not paranoid, that you're psychologically stable. When I wanted to go into the ministry, the, uh, before they approved anything, before they signed anything off on me, the, one of the first things they did is they sent me to Warner Robins for a psychological evaluation. And it was grueling. It lasted all day. First they had somebody come in and ask me all these questions about my background and my life and all this kind of stuff. And then they took me to another room and they had me do all these tests. And then, when I thought it was over, then they took me to this other room with no windows or anything and gave me this, this multiple choice, like circle in the bubble with a number two pencil type test with 300 questions on it. And some of the questions were true false, but it got to the paranoia part of the psychological test. And I'll never forget one of the questions was, is someone watching you right now? And up until that point, I didn't think they were. But then I read that question and I had to like start looking around like this. And I didn't see any windows. I didn't see any cameras. So I said, no, I don't think so. But that was one of the things they wanted to know, because they know that if you are a paranoid person, if you live in a state of fear, then then you're not going to be able to think rationally. You're not going to be able to use logic in the way that God has has enabled us to do it. So peace, I mean, uh, fear can be a, a very disruptive thing. It can be something that that damages our body and, and lives us and to, uh, causes us to live in the state of unrest and absence and absent of peace. It renders us, uh, it, it, it completely shatters the trust we have in other people. Uh, fear can damage our relationships with those that we love. When we become paranoid, when we become uh, fearful, we lose trust that we've spent years and years building up between people. We start to turn on each other. 
And furthermore, we, we are less likely to welcome other people in. When we are fearful and the outsider comes in and it's somebody who may look a little different or act a little different or, or maybe it's something we don't understand or can't relate to, out of fear, we reject that. And so fear damages the relationships we have with each other, but fear also keeps us from loving those that God brings into our lives. So fear is bad. We get that. But what can we do about it? I mean, fear is a natural reaction. How do we overcome it? We look for Christ who appears in the midst of it. Now, we can't see Christ if we're not looking. Last week, we talked about Mary in the garden. Jesus came to her and spoke to her, and, and she didn't recognize him. She didn't know who, who he was. He thought he, she thought he was the gardener because she was not looking for him. But then Jesus spoke her name. She knew the sound of his voice. She recognized him, and instantly her grief was turned to joy. She wouldn't have ever recognized him if she didn't know the sound of his voice. Do you know the sound of your master's voice? Do you know him when he speaks to you? If you're not looking for him, you won't see it. If you're not open to it, you won't ever understand it. You won't ever hear it. But in the midst of our fear, if we're willing to be open to it, we're willing willing to see it, Jesus Christ will appear to us to bring us peace. We know this. Because throughout Scripture, as I told the children in the children's sermon, God tells us, do not be afraid. I am always with you. A few chapters before this in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells his disciples, this is before the crucifixion, he tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we see when he's walking on the water out to the disciples in the boat, they think it's a ghost. What does he say? Take courage. Be not afraid. It is I. I am here. In Romans, Paul tells us, you did not receive a spirit of fear. You received a spirit of sonship. And in Deuteronomy, all the way back and towards the beginning of the Old Testament, we see God saying to the people of Israel, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Over and over again throughout Scripture, the message is, do not be afraid. I am with you. And so when Jesus appears to his disciples, he tells them, do not be afraid. And then he tells them what? He says it twice. If Jesus says something once, you better listen. If he says something twice, write it down. Twice, Jesus said, peace to you. Peace I bring you. Not only do not be afraid, but I am replacing that fear with peace. And so Jesus gave them peace. He also gave them purpose. In other words, he said, get your mind on all, off all this stuff and on something productive. Have you ever just sat around and let your mind, your idle mind, wonder about all the things that you're concerned about? It doesn't solve anything, does it? It just keeps getting worse. But once you get productive, once you get up and you start doing things and you start focusing on something else, you forget about it. It's amazing how we can't we can't focus on something horrible if we're busy doing something else. And so Jesus appears to his disciples and first he tells them, peace, do not be afraid. 
But then he says, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. In other words, it's time for you to go to work. Don't sit here in this room with the doors locked, fearful, worrying about what somebody else may do to you. Just go do what you're supposed to do. Just go do what you've seen me do. And if you do, you're going to be filled with peace, knowing that you're doing the right thing. Rather than sitting here, wallowing in your own fear, letting the paranoia grow. Because an idle mind is one that becomes paranoid. So Jesus gave them peace, and then he gave them purpose. And then he gave them the Holy Spirit. Now to go back to this that Paul said, you did not receive a spirit of fear, you received a spirit of sonship. Well, this is exactly what's happening here. Jesus is making good on a promise that he gave to his disciples. We talked about it a few weeks ago. He said, I will bring a helper. I will bring someone to help you. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. This is him making good on that promise for them. And he makes good on that promise for us. He breathes on us and into us the Holy Spirit. And so he brings us peace and he brings us purpose. But then he breathes into us that Holy Spirit which gives us his presence. And not just presence for right then and there, lasting presence, eternal presence. How can you be fearful if the one who has power over fear is always with you? How can you be afraid if the one who has defeated everything, even death itself, is living within you? And that's what Jesus does for them when he breathes that presence, that Holy Spirit, into them. When we are fearful, we are distorted. We lose our ability to think rationally. We lose our sense of purpose. We lose our focus on the work that has been laid out for us. And of course, we lose our peace. But the resurrected Christ will come to us. No, the resurrected Christ does come to us. And he speaks peace back into our lives back into our hearts. He gives us purpose. He gives us vision once again. He will breathe His Spirit upon us so that His presence remains with us. But we must be alert to it. We must be open to it and willing to receive it. We must be willing to see Him in the midst of those fearful, dreadful, dark times. We must allow ourselves to remain open to the power that He has and offers over our fear. And he does have that power. He brings freedom and he brings deliverance from fear in a way that nothing and no one else can. That's the power of the resurrection. And it's given to each of us through the spirit of the resurrected Christ. Let us pray. Merciful God, there are so many times we confess when we have allowed our minds to be warped by fear, our hearts to be shaped or hardened by fear. And we surrender those times to you now and we ask for the grace to see you in the midst of our fear. For the grace to see you in the midst of our worry and our anxiety we ask that as you speak our name and that you speak your peace your purpose and your truth into us that we will be 
aware of that, that we will be open to that, and we, we ask for the grace to see it and receive it. For it is the power to overcome everything that we fear, that we shrink back in front of. Lord, you have the power over life and death, which means you have the power over everything that we can encounter. Let us turn our hearts to you and surrender to you and your mercy in our moments of fear so that you may breathe your Holy Spirit upon us and bring us peace. We pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is hymn number 364 in the hymnal. I know we sung it last week, but it's relevant this week too. Hymn number 364. If you made a decision of any type uh, today, I invite you and encourage you to come forward and share that. But please stand if you are able and join us in singing Because He Lives.